I'm Brendan McCormack and welcome to the Perth Fit Fan Podcast, where you get to hear from the best thought leaders and change makers from across the Perth fitness scene. In today's episode, we'll be catching up with Stephen Arnold, who is a highly regarded fitness coach that goes above and beyond to reveal essential secrets that nobody wants to admit are crucial for reaching a successful and complete life transformation. If you love what we do, then you could become a supporter of Perth Fit Fan by joining our fan subscriptions on Facebook and gain access to exclusive content, discounts on merch, and more. And make sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher for your chance to win a Perth Fit Fam shirt, which will be given away at the end of every show. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Forget what you're missing out on. Mm. Um, Why'd you come off of it? Uh, a few reasons. So every year I do something which is a challenge to me, and usually it's something um, something which I think could improve my life, and so I set like a challenge. So. Last year it was my hat, um, which is ridiculous. So I, I, wore a, I wore a cap for like five years, right? And um, wow. yeah, it's, it's quite bizarre. And then when I challenged myself to not wear it, you know, I'm like 33, bald dude, rocking a hat everywhere. I'm like, what am I going to be like 40-year-old and just rock a hat? And then, But for some reason, like psychologically, it was just something that I held on to. And, um, so yeah, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to challenge myself to not wear a hat, um, for 12 months. And even when the start of the year came around and I was meant to do it, I didn't do it. And I'm like, oh, actually that's like actually some sort of deep seated psychological thing. And so it took me about an extra two months until I did it. And then that's how the whole, whole joke came out about like the Australia's top board fitness model and kind of made a bit of fun with it. Um, and then, yeah, I did that. And so, I, so the following year, I was like, man, I, I probably spend four hours a day on social media. And a lot of it is just mindless. Either, yeah, yeah, you get caught in that hole, don't you, in the trap, and then before you realize it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, um, obviously there's purposeful content. So things with Perfect Fam and building a business and utilizing it well. Um, but then how much time do I just waste, like just in a rabbit hole of social media, like spending my time on non important things? And um, so, and, and also because I was known through social media, um, even through my personal platforms, I was like, well, first of all, for productivity, what happens if I get rid of it? Um, second of all, it's probably a bit of a security blanket because that's sort of what you're known as. So what happens when you get rid of it? And then like, how do people treat you? Does that change? How do you see yourself? Um, and then the other thing is, I think that social media is so much like the beginning of this uh, this AI avatar where I think that will head where people will create their own avatars of how they want to be seen in this sort of weird world and we're not truly who we are and so all of those reasons and I thought okay I'll go 12 months without social media and far out Brando yeah. yeah I mean there's uh, so many detrimental effects to life from spending time on social media like we could talk about that forever I'm sure yeah just the way that the average person sees herself compared to what they think they should be perceived as. Yes. And and, and also um, happiness as well. Like you always see people at their happiest. And you flip through and it's like, fuck, everyone seems like they're on holiday. Yeah. And the reality is that that's the only time that that one person's been on holiday. And then you see the next person's on holiday. It's like, fuck, my life's so shit compared to these guys. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and um, <laughs> you know, one of the happiest times I ever I ever was was when I had a month off it, a month without scrolling through. Yeah. And you just appreciate the things that you've got rather than comparing yourself. You just do it naturally. And you can spend time in the moment. 
as well. Um, so one thing that I found, which was a red flag for me, is I, I found it hard to communicate with people face to face. And that's like what I do. And what I mean was like my attention span was dropping um, or my ability just to communicate with people was dropping because you're so used to communicating people like through this wall and through message. And I was like, I, I don't want to do that um, and I don't want it to get worse. And so that was another reason as well. Elon Musk in the Joe Rogan podcast talking about not being on social and getting a 10% increase in happiness. So yeah, man, like all of these reasons. And I just thought, okay, well, let's get rid of it and let's see what happens. Um, uh, an, an interesting one, and I haven't actually spoke about this. So um, my dog passed away at the start of the year and I was really, really close to him. Like me and him had a strong bond and he was nine and a half and I kind of knew it was coming, but I was off social media and I thought about it at the time, like as he was being put down and I was, I was in the moment and it's, it's a moment which I got to appreciate and um, I got to experience. Now, if I was on social media, I guarantee you there would have been something in the back of my mind going, oh, okay, what's the post that I'm going to do? What am I going to put out? Like, you know, this is a big moment in life and I'm like, I'm so glad that I didn't, yeah, I, I, you know, I was 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. there. I wasn't thinking of what I was going to do later on that night. Yeah. And then, like, you know, lapping up those sympathy likes and sads. And yeah. Uh, imagine, like, what it's going to be like in 50 years when when the babies that are now babies are adults, their whole life is going to be traceable yeah. through social media. Imagine that now, like, someone going on and just getting every single picture of you mm-hmm. from when you were a baby. Imagine that. Like, it's going to be a crazy world. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And then two thoughts. It's like, okay, well, do you play the game? Cause that's where the world's heading. And do you get really good at playing that game or do you live as a human and kind of separate yourself for a bit of it from a yeah. bit of it? I think one thing that I have discovered, the downside is I think it's a very good um, medium to be able to get things out um, very fast. Cause you can reach thousands of people like instantly. Um, and if you don't utilize it, then it's a bit harder, but then on the downside, you, uh, on the plus side, you're just communicating with people that you want to communicate with. Um, so yeah, there's definitely pros and cons, but it's been a good start to the year. But anyway, Stephen Arnold, thanks for being on podcast. I don't know if this is going to be podcast 26 or podcast 27. So it's going to be between one of those two. Um, so first of all, man, like this is our first chance to actually catch up. I've wanted to have coffee for ages. And I thought, all right, well, let's sit down and we'll do a podcast and have a bit of a chat because you're yeah. a very knowledgeable guy and I'm interested to find out a little bit more about um, you as well. Um, so first of all, tell us about your background. You're obviously from England. Yeah, so I, I was a semi-professional football player back in England. That's soccer. That's soccer, yeah. Yeah, yeah just a young lad. I was getting paid a little bit of money out of the game down in Cornwall, Liscard, playing for them. And as my football career started coming towards an end, just with injuries and stuff, I started getting into coaching. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'd be like, do you know what? You could play so much better if you trained and did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I started writing diet plans and training plans for the lads and I fully enjoyed it. But back home in England, I live in a little village or town, 10,000 residents. There's no opportunity to make a living out of health and fitness or soccer coaching. Yeah. So it was just, it was a volunteerial position and I worked for my dad in a garage. And then when I was 28, I came over here on holiday. I met a lad, Jimmy Wheeler, and he gave me, gave me an opportunity. He said, you can come and stay with me for a couple of weeks, have a holiday. And, and whilst I was here in Perth, I went down to Fitness First in Subiaco and, yep. and started training there. And I saw Shane Smith and Mike Devine and Lukey Faulkner absolutely living the dream. Lukey Faulkner? Yeah, so I was 28 years old. Yes. I'd spent 28 years of my life working in a garage, fitting tractor tires, cold muddy wet and miserable and yeah. then all of a sudden i've got luke lukey faulkner mike divine and shane smith 
in front of me making a living in the gym and I was like wow these guys are living the dream here. was Luke PT in then Luke was PT in yeah out of Fitness First Fitness First Subiaca yeah. I didn't realise that he was out of there that's crazy yeah so those boys were there and I was like wow these guys are living the dream this is what I want to do I didn't realise you could make a living out of health and fitness mm-hmm. um, so is that, that was, not common in UK no, or not from not, where you were from where I was never I'd never exposed to anything like that where I was from you know that was just not even on the radar yeah, um, we were just a little town, little village town, and we just graft for a living. He made everybody just about mixed enough to get by, and that was it. How old are you now? Thirty-six. Thirty-six. Okay. Yeah. So um, I saw those boys living the dream, and I thought that's what I want to do. So I spent the next three years then getting my visa, getting my qualifications, and getting myself set up to come over here and work in the fitness industry. Um, so what qualifications do you have or what qualifications have you got today? So you have to do the cert three and the four and the, and the first aid and whatever. And then just from there, I just did private paid courses after that and seminars and, um, mentorships and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm going to come back to them to work out what you've done. Um, cause I think a lot of the stuff that you put out is very educated. And so that's one thing which interests um, me about you as well. Um, Muscle Genetica, that was that was your yeah. business for a while. So tell yeah. us a little bit about Muscle Genetica. Well, when I um, prepped one of my, my first ever female client on stage was Steph Brooks and she was a student and I saw her and I saw how much potential she had and I said, I, I think you could be a fantastic bikini model if you ever wanted to do it. And she went, yeah, I do, let's, let's do it. So she was lucky because she could come in every day as a student and I'd give her my time every single day. I gave her extra time. And over the course of 12 months, she went on stage and she won and she got a pro card. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. We've took this girl, that's a newbie to the gym, and in 12 months, we've turned her into a professional bikini model. Mm-hmm. I want to replicate those results for everybody. I want everybody to be able to get those kind of results. How, how can we replicate this process? Mm-hmm. I can't afford to give my time every single day to every single client and every client can't afford to come and see me every single day. So we need to fast track that process. What did we do for that 12 months? Well, every day we learned something new about Steph. We tried different things. What does she respond to better? What nutrition strategies to respond to, uh, react to her better? What training style does she respond to better? I wanted all those answers without having to spend every single day of every single client. So we started looking at what determines their responses to different stimulus. And genetic factors is, is one factor. Yes. So we looked, started looking into it, and it was starting to become available. These, these Olympic athletes were using it over in England. So we started using it over here with our clients. And, and the science is, is, is new. It's yes. very new. Is that, are we talking about gene testing? Yeah, genetic okay. testing. So the, the science is new there, and, and the information it gives us or gave us is good. But it's certainly not the be-all and end-all. So it's something that we could have access to, but it's certainly not something that we live and die by. Genetic factors are just one piece of the puzzle. If you're in optimal health and you have full control over your environment, the information it can give you is is okay. And if you want to pay $400 to go and get a test and get a little bit more information, then great. But it's certainly not the be-all and end-all. And... And we were doing work with it and we were getting results with our clients and it was all good. And then uh, my business partner, Anna, she kind of wanted to drive things in one direction. She wanted to make it about systems and, um, and, and, and her as well as me. 
and I wanted to make it all about the clients and getting results. So we had a sort of slight different view in how to move forward. And, and in the end, we just decided to part part ways and, sure. and I just went off and, and she went off and she's doing her thing and I'm doing my thing. Um, so with the gene testing, it's interesting because um, the podcast that we've got waiting to come out um, from Desmond on. So he's a doctor from uh, ECU and we spoke a little bit about the the gene testing, he has a lot of blood work and something slightly different called gene expression. Yeah. Um, so what factors are you looking for with the gene, the genetic testing that Muscle Genetica was doing? And is that different from like a 23andMe or an Ancestry or that sort of thing? Yeah, so we would be testing different expressions for the to get the information that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, but the science side of things was left up to the director of science that was appointed for the company. Sure. I pretty much stayed out of the science because it's just way above my head. <laughs> and I just took the results and applied the results. And we had Mark that would interpret the science and we had the lab that would do all that sciencey stuff. But basically they would test different expressions of different genes, which would give us different information. Um, and what are the sort of things that you're looking at? I just find it, I find it fascinating to find out that much about an individual to be able to optimize them. Yeah, so... To be honest, it's been a while since I looked at it, and I probably wouldn't be able to give you a proper answer on it. Yeah. But um, different expressions of the cells will lead to different responses to different stimulus. Yeah, sure. So the way that we respond to carbohydrates, the way we respond to lower reps, the way we respond to higher reps will be determined by the expression of the cell. Yeah. So it gets a bit complicated <laughs> as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but essentially what you're saying is it's a very personalized approach yeah to the individual yeah that's right it is a personalized approach but but what is the most important thing is it's just one factor and if you don't have control over your environment it's completely irrelevant because if you're not sticking to the diet or you're not sticking to the training or you're not sleeping properly it doesn't matter what your genetic tolerances say or genetic your differences say yes your environment your environmental factors completely overrule it Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, which leads into the next thing, controlling these factors. So I've caught up with like um, many nutrition coaches or trainers um, over the years, but even recently through the podcast, and there's a trend which they say, so consistency and compliance is number one. Um, obviously, sleep being a big factor, but controlling um, these environments, um, uh, sticking to macros, even down to supplementation. The supplementation is generally pretty basic, which is like, um, fish oil, vitamin D, magnesium, protein, like some form of multi, whether that's a food multi or a, yep, a synthetic Absolutely multi. Nailed it. Um, so with, like from your point, of, and I'm really interested to, to hear your feedback because we had a discussion, I think last year um, on online and you're, in, you know, you're talking about looking at hormones and things like that. So what philosophies do you use from, we'll start off with a nutrition standpoint as opposed to training. Yeah. Um, so with nutrition, there's absolutely no wrong or right and there's no system or strategy or approach that's going to get the best results over time it's you have to have a client-centered approach you can't say this is the way that i coach this is the best way because that may work for some people but it certainly 100 won't work for everybody you have to take the individual as an individual and design a system that's going to work for them and a strategy and an approach that's going to work for them so everybody has to be looked at differently um, so once we've got that, you need to take the client and do your need analysis. And I think Dan Garner summed it up really well. He said, the art of coaching is just think of the client as walking into a forest. Mm-hmm. You've walked into the forest and got lost. You're on the outside of the forest with your mobile phone. You've got to get them out of that forest. Yep. Like you've got absolutely zero chance of getting them out if you don't know how they've got in there. 
Okay. So if you can find out exactly how they got into the forest and got lost, you can direct them straight back out. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with getting clients' results. Find out how they've got to where they currently are. That will give you the answer. And then you can just guide them back out through. Yep. If that makes sense. How, how do you do that? Like elaborate, because I like the analogy of someone being lost in a forest. Obviously, they're, they're yeah, stuck. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to know where to go. Yeah. You have the opportunity to guide them out. But what do you do? Like what systems do you put in place to work out how they got themselves in there? Like is it psychological? Is it just daily like life choices? Yeah. So any, any, obviously, if somebody's in a position of poor health or they can't control their weight, you have to find out what contributing factors are influencing that current position. Is it sleep? Is it stress? Is it that they just don't know how to eat healthily? Is it that they can't control their portion sizes? Is it that they're overeating, snacking, and giving into temptations last thing at night? <laughs> Is it that they undereat during the week and completely binge out at the weekends? We have to find out what's contributing towards their current state and then just start helping them work away from that. Yeah. So there's a number of factors like why is somebody overweight? Is it they might be overeating, they might not know how to eat? So whatever the reason for them to be in their current state, we have to just rewind that and try to fix that. So understanding what their issue is, is in the first place is, is the first point. Yeah, for sure. And what are, the, what are some of the biggest issues that you find with your clients? Um, I think just understanding, not knowing what to eat. And then obviously portion size as well. I think as, as society has changed, we lose the ability to understand when we're actually properly full yeah <laughs> because i was talking to someone yesterday i was like we don't understand when we're full or not because we eat the portions that are given to us because the the we're all eating out now more nowadays so uber eats baby yeah what gets given to us is what we deem as being a serving size and it's not necessarily when we're full so mm -hmm. people lose the ability to know when they're full and when they need to eat um so that's a contributing factor is just knowing when they're when they're full when they, how much they need to eat yeah and then from there it's just given into temptations as well the world's a crazy place now and there's food everywhere there's food so readily available it's easy to overeat without realizing it have you ever spent time in the states yeah states is crazy yeah crazy <laughs> i went over there for a mate's wedding and i went out and i ordered sweet sweet potato fries yes and they came out and i was like they've put salt on there and i ate one and they put casting sugar caster sugar on sweet potato fries it's a crazy place and we were at the um the cheesecake factory yes and there was a couple they just got married yeah and the bride was sat at the bar with her with her wedding dress and she was pouring sachets of sugar in her coke no and then we went to mcdonald's and uh this girl was in there pouring sugar in her in her water so i've got a story about ronnie coleman so back in 2006, um, Ronnie Coleman came over here and I was with BSN at the time and he was with BSN. So I, I actually chaperoned him around for a couple of days, which is epic. It's like a massive highlight because this is Ronnie Coleman like in his prime. And we went and had lunch a couple of times and we sat there and um, he got this you know chicken meal with rice and then he whips out the artificial sweetener and just starts putting that on top of his rice and like mushing it oh. in. And I'm looking at him like it's the most bizarre thing. I'm like, what are you doing that for? And for him, that was normal. So when you're talking about people putting sugar on their food in the States, like, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that. And then I just got like a steak and salad and he found that really bizarre that I just got like a steak and salad. But I'm like oh. a skinny little white guy. He's like eight-time Mr. Olympia. Yeah. And so um, he's probably trying to understand why I'm not trying to grow. 
Yeah, definitely. The, the relationship with food over there is, is definitely completely different to what's over here. So It's so bizarre. Even going over there 2007 for the Arnold Classic and just sitting in like a, a steakhouse or whatever it was I was at, the portion size that they brought out was absolutely like just huge. Yeah, Even yeah, the bread yeah. roll was like yeah, a yeah, monstrous yeah, yeah. size thing. I got towards the end of the week and I was like, just can I just please have a, a serve of broccoli? Just some greens, please. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with this kid? Yeah. And then they brought out this broccoli soaked in cheese no what is going on just get me home i just want to eat some vegetables it's so, it's so bizarre but it's easy to see why they're such a fat nation yeah um so then going on to like how you approach um we're talking about portion control and how you, how you approach yeah. things because one thing that um almost every single nutritionist or, or nutrition coach that we catch up with they take the approach of flexible dieting um Whereas in, in, in your case, um, in a post that you made, you were saying that there's a lot more to it than just calories and just flexible dieting. No one's gone into that, but I would love to hear your side of it and the things that we should look out for. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. Like, Not everybody needs help with portion control. A lot yes. of the clients that come to me, like Joe and Chad and, and Kirby and Kez, they know, they know how to eat properly. They're advanced athletes, and it's just fine-tuning things for them. But for some people, they do need a little bit of support with that. But the first point of call is understanding the client and meeting them where they need to be met. Sure. There's no point in somebody that doesn't know what uh, protein, carbs, and fats are and me giving them a detailed meal plan because it's just not what they need. They mm-hmm. just need a little bit of support to get them started. And they can lose weight from a, taking that approach. They don't need a meal plan. But then if someone that's an advanced athlete comes to me, there's no point in me talking to them about portion control because they need more than that. So you have to meet the client where they need to be met to start with. And once we've established what nutritional strategy or approach they need, then we can start looking at how best to design that approach. But in terms of flexible dieting, like thermodynamics, so an undeniable law of science, we can't deny that calories in, calories out determine body weight. No one can deny that. And if you think that that's not true, then you're incorrect because it's it's 100% correct. Thermodynamics affect an organism, but the health of the organism is what affects the rate of the speed that the energy balance affects the organism. Sure. Does that yeah. make sense? That's yeah. that, right? that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. So I can, I can summarize that in one sentence um, or maybe a couple of sentences. So health and fitness aren't the same thing. Whilst yeah. they're not exclusive, yeah. they're not always Inclusive. So when I have a conversation with um, my chiropractor, who's one of my closest mates, he always speaks to me from a health point of view. And I explain to him from a fitness industry point of view. And I say, listen, you're talking about optimizing the body and making sure that the body is functioning how it should. I know plenty of fitness people who are pretty unhealthy. You know, if we look at people comp prepping, eating all the kinds of food, like not in every case, but a lot of them eat bad food. Um, but they get a low body fat and they look great or they're highly stimulated or um, you know, they're, they're having a whole bunch of artificial sweeteners or something. And so they not, might not be optimizing their body, whereas if they looked at a health approach alongside this, they would probably be much better athletes. Yeah, you definitely need to combine, combine the two, but the most important thing is creating a healthy organism. If you can create a healthy organism, the way that energy in and energy out affects that organism is going to be fastly, fastly accelerated. Yeah, a healthy client like Chad, when he did his comp prep for the internationals, he didn't go below a twenty percent deficit. Okay, so he was in a twenty percent deficit maximum for his, for the that was his deepest deficit for the whole prep. Most of the time, he was in a ten percent deficit. 
if you take somebody that's not as healthy as Chad and put them in a 10% deficit, they're going to lose a they're going to lose weight a little bit slower. Yeah, it's just the healthier you are, the the faster the rate that the energy balance takes effect. Just on that, we're talking about Chad Thompson, who's a great physique athlete uh, with ICN over here. So I'll make sure that we put a link in the chat so you guys can check him out because I'm sure that people that don't know him will find him really inspiring. He's got a really really good physique. He's he's incredible. You know, like he's just he's just very very genetically gifted, mm. and you combine that with an impeccable work ethic, and you you've got the recipe for for success. Yeah, there's no one that is persistent as him and so calculated as him and someone that's genetically as gifted as him. You put those two together and you've got a dangerous, dangerous man. So what's some practical advice that you could give people to help optimize their health? It, it depends on what, what your current state is, but the, the, the most things, you've got to lay your foundations down first. If you, if you build strong foundations, like this is a little saying that I have, you lay down your strong foundations and you can build a good house of health. Mm-hmm. If you don't have your foundations, you, all you're going to do is build a little tent so yep. if you get your sleep right, your stress right, and your digestion right, you get those three right, then you've got strong foundations to build a healthy house on. And if you don't get those foundations right, you just you are going to cut yourself short. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of results that you can experience are going to be limited because your, your health is far from optimal. Yep. So get your stress right, your sleep right, and your digestion right, and, and you're going to get a faster rate of results. You're going to become healthier, and you're going to get better results long term. So we did a podcast actually with your UK brother, um, the sleep scientist, um, Martin um, McPhillamy, yeah. and he gave us some really, really good statistics on sleep um, and, and how to make that happen. Um, from a stress point of view, is there, anything that you, uh, is there anything that you apply to your life to help lower your stress levels? Yeah, I love talking about stress. I could talk about this all day. Wait, we got the spot. <laughs> Let's do it. So stress is, is, is something that – that we can't avoid. It's, it's part of life. By the way, I just want to quickly put in here, you bought me a coffee um, before you come. Did you have a coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you still drink caffeine? Uh, one a day. Okay, I yeah. thought that I was just going to throw you under the bus and be like, oh, did you get me stimulated, but you actually don't drink coffee? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I did have one. Yeah, no, um, but yeah, for sure. So stress is something that we can't avoid. Um, it's part of life. It's part of the 21st century. And and. With, with success comes stress. Mm-hmm. So it's unavoidable. But it's not about trying to avoid stress. It's just about how well we can manage it. And understanding that is the first step. So we're never going to avoid it. We just have to manage it. Um, as society has evolved, human physiology hasn't been able to keep up. Now, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just taking this straight off of what Dan says. Dan Garner, he, he, I'll do all my study for him. And he's, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, and what he says is, the stress reflex mechanism was designed to keep us alive. Yep. So through our early days, holy, holy moly, I'm about to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Cortisol gets spiked, our pupils dilate, blood gets pushed to limbs so that we can move, react, respond, and stay alive. But now in the 21st century, we're, we are activating that stress mechanism every couple of seconds. Yeah. Ho- holy shit, I'm stuck at the traffic lights. The boss is ringing. I've got bills to pay. Kids are in the back screen screaming. Oh, you just activated it five times. <laughs> social media. You just activated it five times in three seconds. And, and human physiology isn't designed to deal with that amount of stress. Yeah. So as a result, we do have detrimental health effects from this elevated stress levels. So the first things first is, is managing your stress. And, and the best ways that I find to manage stress for myself and for my clients is, is just to reconnect to the earth. And I, I know that sounds stupid, but get your shoes and socks off. Stand on, the, stand on the sand and get down by the ocean. And yeah. if you can do that for an, even an hour a week, the effects that that will have on your fat loss will dramatically increase it. 
during my, my comp prep, I was very highly stressed. I was dieting very hard. And the two of those combined pushed my fat loss rate down to such a low level that I wasn't going to be ready for stage. Okay. And it was luckily I went back to England for 10 days. And during those 10 days, I was a lot more relaxed and my fat loss rate doubled for that 10 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I came back, I, I went and saw my coach, Shane, and I was like, wow, that's obviously gives us a, 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 an indication to why my results have been bad. I am too stressed. So then every Sunday, I used to go and spend an hour by the ocean. Awesome. And, and my fat loss rate continued at the rate that we needed it to to get me on stage. For someone that has the mentality that they've always got to hustle or they've got to be working, because I, I grew up like that. If I wasn't working or I wasn't working late at night, I felt like that I wasn't striving to achieve my goals. Do and, that. You need to do that. That's part of life. But what I found was when we're talking about lowering stress and over the last 18 months, it's something that I've tried to um, uh, try to apply to myself was making sure that you actually spend, uh, spend purposeful downtime, meaningful downtime. Yeah. Uh, doing things that that bring you down, spending time unstimulated, uh, going to the beach. I'm very lucky that we live right near the beach, so we get to do it almost daily. Um, and I think that's important. So would you suggest that people find those things that help bring their stress down and actually book them in? Yeah, just find little pockets where yep. you can turn that, turn that cortisol tap off. And the, the best one is obviously getting by the beach for me, but also last thing at night, if you can just spend five to ten minutes um, just doing some deep breathing activities before you switch off at the end of the night. Just if, if you're not sure how to do that, just put your hand on your chest and one hand on your belly. Uh, make sure when you breathe in, you're breathing through into belly. your belly and slowly out. This is going to switch you from your sympathetic nervous system straight into your power sympathetic nervous system. And, and that's where all the magic happens. We need to spend time in that power sympathetic nervous system as well as sympathetic nervous system. Just the, mo- the more time you can switch into that power sympathetic nervous system, the better you're going to be for your health and for your body composition as well. Awesome. And that prep shot for us, like a routine, which prep shot for a good sleep too. Yeah, that's right. Because we're switched on. And if you're watching TV or you're on your phone flicking through, that's not putting ourselves in a position where we can get good quality sleep. You need yeah. to switch off. And, and what I found as well, when I do go through really stressful times during the day, if I just do my deep breathing activities, it takes me straight back to when I was relaxed at home the day before. So just... All right, just just five seconds, just switch off, do some deep breathing, and it just takes me right back to where I was when I was nice and relaxed, and then we can get back into our work. Wicked. That's really good practical advice. Now, training, training philosophies. I haven't spoken with many people much about training on the podcast, but what I really liked with, uh, with you saying when you guys were looking at uh, genetic expressions and how you, how you choose training. So how do you do that now with your clients? So now I'd, I'd look at where the client is, where they, where, how the way they move, how well advanced they are, and then design a system from there. But pretty much I'll just be applying the theories that Rodin Dubois taught me. We go through a accumulation phase. Who's that? Rodin Dubois from Under the Bar podcast over in Sydney. Yes. He's a IFBB judge and coach. Yes. He's top, top lad, one of the best coaches around. Yep, awesome. Um, so we would work through an accumulation phase where we're looking for higher volume. Um, multi-body splits per day mm-hmm. and we'll go for a high frequency approach so um, obviously I think what's very common with people that may not know is that the, the stereotypical chest day leg day shoulder day back day leg day Bro-split. arm day yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that I think comes from looking at our idols looking at Arnold Schwarzenegger what was he doing back in the back in his heyday well this is how he trains I want to look like him so then we all adopt that approach mm-hmm. but understanding that 
we're not him. Yes. We couldn't be any further different from him. Not only is he genetically gifted, but he was also massively enhanced. And for people like you and I, Brenda, like, we, we need to train differently because we are so different. So yes. If you are to train your chest on Monday, you might recover from that Tuesday and Wednesday, but then your chest isn't getting any more stimulus Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you're telling your body we need to grow muscle and it recovers, but then you're spending four days telling your body, you don't really need that muscle that you just grew because we're, yeah. we're not using chest anymore. So your body goes, mm, maybe we don't need that extra tissue that we grew there. So yep. we might just use it for something else. So higher frequency is definitely required. And I, I know Rich uh, Collins down at the Physique Code said this as well during the week. You do need to stimulate the muscle more frequently than once a week if you want optimal results long term. So doing uh, like an anterior day one day and then posterior day the next. So you might do chest, anterior delts, abs, quads one day. And then the next day you go back and do lats, traps, hamstrings, glutes, triceps, Mm -hmm. and then rotate around, work through different rep ranges. Go through an accumulation phase for eight weeks and then switch to an intensification phase for eight weeks where you go lower reps, higher loadage. Yes. Work on your strength aspect. So then when you go back into the next accumulation phase. Yep. You can do it at a higher loadage than the first accumulation phase. So, uh, what's the difference between accumulation? What sort of rep ranges are we talking about? So, I'd probably start accumulation one in the most common uh, hypertrophy rep ranges, like eight to 12. Yes. Somewhere around there. And then I'd go into an intensification phase for eight weeks where we worked at six to eight. Yep. And then the next accumulation phase, we'd probably go back at a higher volume as well. We'd probably be looking at 12 to 15. Okay. And try, to, higher, try still... to keep the same weight as the first accumulation phase. So okay. now you're getting more volume and more loadage total for the whole day. Yep. We're and then you obviously go back. requiring more adaptation. So. Yes. And then you go back in the cum- and then intensification two. Mm-hmm. Then you go down heavier again, working on that strength aspect, back into accumulation phase. Um, obviously, like you do a lot of online coaching um, yep. as well, but for a, a person who, a lot, a lot of people that listen uh, into, into Perfit Firm or part of our community training, like a group fitness sort of studio or yep. a group fitness environment where their programming is taken care of, but there's also a massive portion that train by themselves that might not use PTs or do their own programming. So how, e- how easy or how hard do you think it is for someone to be able to actually work out their own programming or what alternatives would you suggest to them? Depends on where you are, what level you're at. If you're a beginner, any sort of training program is going to give you results. Yeah. Because of stimulus. Going from a one to a five is very easy. Going from a five to a seven or an eight is harder. Going from an eight to a nine or a 10 is near impossible. Exactly right. And and that's exactly right. So if you're a newbie, anything is going to work because it's so much more stimulus than you're used to. So just start something that you enjoy. If you are a total beginner, you don't even need to go into a gym. Go and play sport. Go and play football, basketball, and yeah. then if that's then then or you can then go to group classes, and that's great as well. But then if you go through the spectrum, the more advanced you become, the more important those those little determining factors become. Yeah, those little details become more and more impactful. The more advanced you become, yes. and it's the same with nutrition as well. The more advanced you become, the more those factors become become relevant. So someone like Chad or Jojo, they need specific details. They need to have someone doing their programming for them because they want optimal results. Yes. And, and that's not to say that you need to have optimal results. If you're happy just making progress and just do what you enjoy, you don't yeah. need to have the world's best program. Like, enjoy it. That is what health and fitness is about, enjoying it. And if you want results, just measure and review. Yeah. If you don't want to pay someone, just upload a program off the internet and then measure the results it gives you. Are you happy with that? It might not be optimal, but if you're happy at growing 100 grams of muscle every three months, then 
just keep doing it. It's still progress. But, but yeah, measure, just measure and review. And if it's not getting you the results that you want, then look to change something and then look to, to get someone to help you out. And essentially you can have the best program, but unless you're consistent and you adhere to the program, it does, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. You have to stick to it and you have to enjoy it. And, and that's the most important thing about as a coach, like giving your client something that they want and something that they enjoy. Like for someone that's been struggling with weight loss, if they, if they think they're going to get better results by doing something that they don't enjoy, it might get you slightly better results short term, but the long term effect is you're not going to stick to it and you're going to give up. So find something that you, you enjoy. And if the results might be slightly less than optimal, long term, if you're enjoying it, that's what matters. You can stick to it long term. That's going to get you the, because at the end of the, at the end of the year, it doesn't matter where you are today or where you are next week. What matters is where you are one year, five years, 10 years from now. Yeah. I, I've got a client in Israel and he said to me, I'll pay you two grand extra if I lose 10 kilos in 12 months. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Alan, you can keep your money because yeah. I'm not going against my morals. I yes. don't care what weight you are in 12 weeks. What matters to me is where your weight is in 10 years. Yeah. And all these coaches that you've worked with before, they've given you stuff that you're never going to stick to. And mm-hmm. you've got fast weight loss and what's been the, the, the end result? You've gone back to where you were where you started. You're still 115 now. Yeah. So I don't I don't care where your weight is in 12 weeks. You can keep your money. What I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you habits, routines, and give you stuff you can stick to and enjoy. And I'm going to make sure that you're healthy and still alive in 10 years from now. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're, we're all going through a different cycle within the fitness journey. So I know I was much more competitive when I was younger. And now I'm in a much more lifestyle program where yeah. um, I still want to be fit and healthy and I still want to improve. Um, but going from a seven or an eight to a nine or a 10 is not even on my radar because it's not sustainable. It's not where my energy are and it removes that balance of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And and I'm sure I'm going to progress into a stage over the next few years where it's going to be injury prevention and um, uh, longevity. That sounds... Selling old age to me, yeah. I know, man. I'm not not even that old yet. Um, Talking about courses um, and education, so what's some of the best courses that you've done and people to learn from? I've been so lucky in my career that I've always had fantastic people around me and supporting me in my, my early days. I learned everything from Shane, Shane Smith. Shane Smith he was yeah. fantastic. I just did everything I could to get as close to him and learn from him. Shane Smith was voted the top PT in Perth for people listening. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that he'll be up there on the list again. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Um, and he, he loves sharing his knowledge. So Shane helped me through my early days. And if it wasn't for Shane, I wouldn't even be in the industry. Um, so Shane was fantastic to learn from. And then from there, he introduced me into Milos. Um, and then from there... Milos Sarsev. So Milos Sarsev was a yeah. very aesthetic pro bodybuilder who became a very active coach. And, and then from there, I, I found Dan Garner. And that's where all of my attentions have been for the last three and a half years. So Dan's based over East, is he? Dan's from Canada. Oh, okay. And he Sorry, runs online mentorships. He runs a nutrition mentorship and a training mentorship. Um, and, and I think if you are a coach or if you are an athlete looking to learn, all you ever need to invest your money in is precision nutrition, level one. That'll okay. give you the basics. Is and Dan precision nutrition? He's a coach for them. Okay, he, gotcha. he, he writes for them and produces material for them. Yes. Um, start with precision nutrition. That'll give you the basics. That'll teach you how to program and how to eat as a as a beginner to intermediate. Mm-hmm. And then Dan's nutrition courses will teach you how to program for intermediate to advanced athletes. Awesome. So if you, I've, I've spent so much money doing courses, but if I was to invest money anywhere, it'd be precision nutrition level one and then straight into Dan's nutrition mentorship level one. Awesome. That's really, really good advice. Um, the people that inspire you most outside of these that people should follow. 
outside of those. Uh, to be honest, Brendo, like what I find is if you're going to choose someone to study from or learn from, just don't cloud the, the picture and just stick with one guy and learn from them. Yes. Because for me, trying to learn from two or three different sources at once just creates fog. Mm-hmm. So solely I study from Dan solely because he has so much content to get through. I don't want to cloud my judgment or cloud my learning from him. Yeah. And he actually advises that in his nutrition mentorship as well. He said, if you're doing any other study right now, just stop it so you can focus solely on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that that allows me to get the content in and a better quality. And it sticks around a bit better. Awesome. That's right. So we'll make sure that we put um, Dan, Shane, Milos all in there, links for people. Um, now, to get in contact with you, if people want to find out more, they want to get coached by you or they want to do online, what's the best way? Just jump on my Facebook, um, Stephen Arnold and Stephen's with a PH. Mm-hmm. Stephen Arnold, just get my personal profile or you can jump onto my business page, Stephen Arnold's Health Systems. Yes. And if you want one-on-one coaching, if you want it in person, then come down to the Body Consultants in Jollymont. You can just send us a message on Facebook or just even walk in. We're here all day, every day. And uh, we have a team of one-on-one coaches here that will help anybody out. Awesome. Sweet. Stephen, thank you very much, man. That's perfect. Cheers, Brendo. Thank you. That's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, then make sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher for your chance to win a Perth Fit Fam t-shirt, which we'll be giving away at the end of every show. And just remember that if you love what we do, then you can become a supporter of Perth Fit Fam by joining our fan subscriptions on Facebook, and you'll gain access to exclusive content, discounts on merch, and more. Thanks for tuning in, and stay tuned for more of the Perth Fitness scene to come.